what is the Adidas pants of breakfasts? Welcome to Clocker Counter. I'm Ryan Young, and with me is James Wiseman. So today we're going to talk about the state of the podcast, which has been losing energy, and we're going to talk about the off season and what that means in freestyle and for us right now. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know where to begin. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think I don't know. It's a lot of things. So obviously, we've been a little lackluster lately, and once again, it is. Sunday night before the podcast is due and we're scrambling to do something here. So I think we're losing a little bit of steam. We're going to keep going, but you know, there's a few things, you know, one our like listener numbers are going down, which I get it. We're not that good at this <laughs> and there's not that many <laughs> freestylers to begin with. And I think especially for me, and I'm sure this is true to an extent for you, I am used to doing things that, I have practiced to become good at. And so unfortunately, there's been no opportunity in life to practice podcasting. So there's a part of it that's probably our fault that we're not perfect at this yet. And probably not even the right people to do something like this, but no one else is going to do it. So that's why we're here. And I don't know. So some of this for me is almost just acknowledging that we could be doing a much better job with the podcast and having a little more planning and enthusiasm about it. And then another part is just trying to figure out what is worth our energy and do people <laughs> actually want this still care about it? Is it helping people in some way and how many people does it need to help or influence for it to be enough? And I don't really have an answer to that question, but I know you have a stronger view on this. So I guess I'll let you speak on that. Yeah. My opinion is it can ebb and flow or our viewer, listener numbers, everything can ebb and flow and that's okay. And it's okay to have a down period now while we have not the amount of energy we have and we're both like have jobs and we're one year away from retirement. Like now's the time to like hibernate and put in as little effort as we can just to keep the consistency. But it's okay because we're coming back next year. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly solutions. Like I think we should probably be bringing in more guests, but the problem is it's hard enough for you and I to find yeah, the, time the, to meet each other. The let cost of guests is very high. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And I think there's not a lot of freestyle happening right now because it's the winter time, but I don't know. Like I still have lots of ideas. They just take work to implement and it's hard to put in so much work at this knowing how few people it reaches. So for instance, one thing that I kind of struggle with is that I don't tell anyone and wouldn't want my friend, my non freestyle friends or coworkers <laughs> to even know that I have a podcast because I know not only is it a niche audience, but I know that this isn't our strength and that we could do a much better <laughs> job. And there are also times where I think that there is so much that needs to happen to help freestyle and I'm trying to do as much as I possibly can for that, but my resources are getting more and more limited and I'm having trouble deciding where to put them. So while the podcast interest is kind of waning for me, I think I'm also struggling because I feel like 
we're not getting the same excitement at Duke right now. Now we have Will, who's just on a whole nother stratosphere. There are days where I feel like I'm just playing with Ed Oturi, which is incredible. But we had such a big class of freestylers last year, and we just don't see them very much anymore because they're now on the other campus. And I think I had a lot of optimism in the past, but now I'm having a little bit of fear of, am I putting in all this time for people to do it for a bit and then lose interest? And if that's what's happening, at what point is it too much for me to handle? I don't know. I see. I'm always like, it's okay if we're not growing every single day, as long as on the long term, we are growing. Yeah. I mean, the podcast numbers, episodes keep going up (laughs) like that number is always going up. Well, I agree with something that I thought you would say. I mean, you said it in a different way. This is something you kind of told me, which is sort of like all content is good content. Just having anything out there that shows that people are doing and caring about freestyle makes a difference. And I tend to agree with that. I think, for instance, I push people a lot to make videos and just to say it doesn't really matter how good it is, how good you are, how good the video is, whatever. It's just nice to know that other people care about what you care about. And when you see other people posting content, it makes you feel not alone (laughs) to put a (laughs) kind of Christmas movie, I don't know, feeling to it. But it also, for the viewer, it also makes them have a fuller experience. It's like Google Maps where it shows multiple paths to get to your destination. You're like, well, I'm not going to take the one that's slower, but it like feeds into your decision making it just makes you feel good about taking the quick path when you do (laughs) so does that mean like we're the slow path so that one day when there is a quick exactly it'll be better (laughs) they'd be like look how far we've come and look what we had to do in the past part of the shame might be that i know we could do a good job or i think we could do a good job we don't have to do a good job now there are a a year from now there are times where we do a good job but It's so hard. I've been trying to shift my mindset in a couple ways. So one, instead of thinking about I'm trying to grow the sport, which, you know, is I'm succeeding to some degree at that. But there's two other frameworks that I'm trying to get comfortable with. One is it's fine if I just have this thing that I like to do with my friends. And as long as I have enough friends who will do this with me, It doesn't really matter if it grows. So I'm trying to embrace that mindset. But another mindset I have, which is a little bit of a darker timeline, is something like, and this is a terrible analogy, but my Margaret and I watched The Mummy in the last few months. And there are these, like, I don't know what they're called in the movie. I already forgot, but there's like warriors in the movie who their sole purpose is to like protect the mummies from being released into the world. And generation after generation of, these five people are just trying to keep the mummy safe. Terrible analogy, you know, nostalgic <laughs> movie, not the best movie necessarily, but I'm trying to think, tell myself that like, I'm just trying to preserve freestyle so that one day, if anyone actually is interested, it'll be there for them. Yeah. I like, we just <laughs> got to get into the next generation. We just got to get one more. It's almost a Ponzi scheme or a pyramid scheme or something. We just got to get it to the next generation and then it's their job to keep it going. And maybe one, <laughs> one generation it'll hit and all of those work will not have been in vain. But this is 
It's it's a little bit of a low point. I'm not gonna lie. It's a transition period. It's like like we're done competing, but we haven't really started organizing yet. So there's like this gap where we're kind of doing nothing. Yeah, and it's okay to just be doing nothing. I mean, another related problem is that the community might be the same size or even as big as ever, or if it's smaller, it's not significantly smaller, but it's much more fragmented. So we've talked a little bit of this before, but not only is it more fragmented geographically with players all over the world, but at least when we started playing, everyone was on Facebook. Now, a lot of things I don't like about Facebook. Facebook is a huge problem, (laughs) but it did have one great purpose which was that most freestylers had it had access to it used it posted on it whatever so i think that helped create the feeling that there was much more interest and excitement about freestyle than there is now where i think people are spread out over all these different platforms and some of this might be me living in my living under a rock myself because i don't really have any platform other than facebook i don't use facebook very much anymore or i'm trying not to because of all the things wrong with social media, but I don't know. To, I don't know what the solution to that problem is either. Cause we've tried creating the discord and people have tried to revive the email listserv, but I feel like we're getting more and more split up. And frankly, the, the world is getting more and more split up <laughs> and it's less obvious that people from wherever are going to be able to meet up wherever, whenever we want. And I think we need to be, working towards more solutions for that don't you think yeah i don't yeah it's really hard and who has the time i think it's going to be us in a year what do you mean oh you think we'll have a time in a year maybe you'll have time time in a year i'm not sure if it's going to work out for me that way but yeah we'll see i feel bad that's such a downer podcast but if there is one utility for me personally in this podcast, it is basically like a public journal at this point. <laughs> and I am just embracing it. Yep. I'm at least close enough to retirement security, financial security, whatever you want to call it, that I feel more comfortable having a public podcast where I can actually say how I'm feeling about things. I think the official term in the tech community is FU money. Yeah, yeah I... <laughs> I think that's an old, much older term that has existed for a long time and is very effective. So I guess that's a good place to be. And that is certainly its own blessing. But maybe to get us back to a slightly more positive outlook and kind of in the same subject. So Edo Turi sent me a video that he made, I think a couple of days ago, that does kind of fit within this content creation theme and also fits in with something that you and I have talked a lot about maybe on the pod, probably on the pod. I know we repeat ourselves a lot. That's like probably one of the things we're not super great at keeping track of, but this idea of more talking content just in general being good. Mm -hmm. And so he made a mic'd up video. I don't know if he's posted it yet or if he will post it. I think he was just asking me what I thought about it, but basically he was about a 30 minute video and he's just kind of going through his freestyle day with a mic on so he puts on his nails, does some stretching, does some warm-ups, works on some combos, and then jams for a bit. And I think everything except the jam, he is kind of like talking you through what he's doing and what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. 
And I, of course, was super excited about it. I watched the whole thing. Um, and I was glad someone did it because we've talked about doing something a lot like that and like different versions of mm-hmm. something like that. And I think it did work. I found it. There's something about Edo specifically that I find just very calming. And I thought like I could listen to Edo just talking to me all day long. Like if he had a 24 hour podcast, I would just have it on in the background all day long. I'm just <laughs> having a soothing voice. But there's a few things I wanted to point out about that were interesting to me. So one, Edo is on a, what's the right word? He's just got it together in terms of how he approaches freestyle. <laughs> I feel like if you like made an analogy to like other sports, at least I think I'll say it just for me and I won't bring you into this, but we're like the cocaine and beer era of basketball and Edo is the like hyperbaric chamber and like veganism version of basketball <laughs> where like, you know, I go to the gym eating a bag of Skittles. I like plop down my Diet Coke and just go straight into trying to hit my triples <laughs> and hoping for the best. And, you know, Edo is like, well, you know, like first I have to warm up and like do some hand exercises and stretch and then I do my catches and I work my way up and I'm sure that's the correct approach to it. But Edo does more prep to play than I've done in the last 10 years of freestyle. What do you think of that? Just starting there. Yeah, I'm definitely in your path of (laughs) it's the Wild West and we just (laughs) like drink all night, don't sleep and then play the game the next day. Yeah. And we're not following any of the science or anything. But well, okay. But I, here's my go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. What I want is someone who is doing and following all the signs to just vastly outperform us and change the norm. So I agree. I'm going to make a counterpoint. It's really more of a counter hypothesis. And I think, well, one, I did do that stuff when I first started because I thought that was the right way to go. <laughs> and I eventually abandoned it. And I think a lot of why I abandoned it is sheer laziness slash lack of time. So for me, you know, especially once I started law school, if I went to go jam, I didn't feel like I had time to do anything but jam. I wanted to make sure I maximized my free time to freestyle and didn't feel like I could spare time for anything else. And what I found at least, and this is a little bit of an unfair because it's a sample size one anecdotal you don't know what the opportunity cost was, but I found that like basically nothing changed when I went from <laughs> stretching and doing all the right things to going out there and just, you know, throwing nine innings and hoping for the best. So that's kind of one counterpoint. But my other counterpoint is something like I have tried to look into like, what's the science behind stretching and like warming up and like doing things a particular way that you see athletes do when you watch the NBA or the NFL or the MLB. And it's pretty shocking how little information there is out there that has any scientific credibility whatsoever. <laughs> and that's not to say that these things aren't good to do, but it's so difficult to find convincing evidence that it's really good that it makes me think, well, like I don't want to live my entire I'll give a bad analogy. Like, I don't want to floss my entire life unless you can tell me for sure it's a good thing to do. If there's any doubt about it, I'm skipping the floss. Like that. But floss is a good example because there's no scientific data supporting flossing is good. 
Yeah, and there was a bunch that I picked that example specifically because there was a lot of articles about this in the last like couple of years. No, <laughs> but I think but Fawcett is also a good example though, because I think the consensus, rightly or wrongly, among you know, dentist, I guess, is something like yeah, there's no evidence that it works, but we're like pretty sure it works. Like, come <laughs> yeah. on, like it's gotta work, right? Yeah. And you can take that however you want, but I think that's true for a lot of kind of sports practices that people do. We're like, surely it's good to run yeah. a few laps before you play. Like, <laughs> we can't show it to you with empirical science, but it seems reasonable. So I don't know, but like, I this is one of those areas. This is kind of my point, though. It's something where. One day you could look back 20 years from now and be like, wow, people were so foolish back then that they thought you were supposed to do this. Or they'll look back at us doubting it and be like, you're crazy. But again, you know, I think if I was a professional freestyler and I had eight hours a day to devote to this, I probably would do all those things. And some of it would be because there'd be a lot higher risk to freestyling too much. And like sometimes I think a lot of why athletes do so many other things is because they need to do something other than just their <laughs> like the core components of their sport. Like you can only throw the football so many times so in, a, in a day. So you should like probably also like lift some weights while you're at it <laughs> <laughs> now. Okay. But that's like a bad example. I think that kind of stuff does matter. I don't know. Now I feel bad because I have kind of like thrown down how most people prepare, but maybe I'll put it this way. I don't think I'm personally good enough or on the, teeny tiny margins of elite performance for it to make a difference to me. And <laughs> I will take those extra minutes to freestyle and, you know, knock on wood. Maybe I'm just lucky. Maybe I just have good genes, but other than a freak accident with the collarbone, haven't had a lot of injuries or anything. <laughs> I know. I was like, when I introduced myself and be like, I'm good at freestyle Frisbee, but not good enough to justify warming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will literally warm up if it's freezing outside because it is too slow to warm up through freestyle. But in that sense, I am literally warming up. But otherwise, I'm like, well, like, you know, it warms me up for freestyle for speed. <laughs> I know. I warm up with doubles. Like That's well, the first move I do. I also wonder, too, if we're drawing from other sports in a way that doesn't make sense because... I get that if you're a pitcher or something, you can't really necessarily warm your body up efficiently by throwing pitches. You also have a fixed number of pitches you can do without causing serious damage to your arm. And so it would make sense to me that you would warm up and like run around and like get your body ready to throw your pitches. But for freestyle, freestyle is like a total body exercise that's well distributed so if anything, like freestyle should be the warm up for other sports. Like <laughs> it is the warm up. It's just kind of chill and relaxed. But one other aspect that I do think is in favor of doing these kind of like warm up exercises. And yes, we have somehow managed to find a topic that I now find interesting. But I think there is a lot of value in ritual too. So even if you can't prove what it does or how it helps you, I think having the sequence of activities you do before you play can make a big difference. And I think there is evidence in favor of that. Yeah. It's like putting in disc golf. You build your routine. Got to build your routine. I think this would be a controversial take, at least for me, but I think we both like more or less share this view because every time I even hint at the suggestion that the science behind stretching is very dubious, 
people lose it. And look, there's different kinds of stretching. It seems like what we like to call dynamic stretching is probably good for you. But what is dynamic stretching? But like, you know, like moving your body like we do when you freestyle. But there's not a lot of great evidence for lots of other kinds of stretching. As far as I know, I haven't looked in a while, but this was a interest of mine maybe like five or six years ago. And I was trying to find evidence in favor of stretching. And I couldn't find it. So I, see. I, I should ask my dance friends what they think. <laughs> Didn't. Well, okay. I don't want to veer too much into territory. I don't know. Obviously I don't know the science behind any of this. I'm not a doctor. I don't know any of this stuff. So I take everything I say with a grain of salt. Basically anything I know is probably because New York times had some article about it at some point. And I was like, that's interesting. But my guess would be stretching makes a big difference if you're six and you have stem cells and your body's still growing. <laughs> I think you probably pay for that later. But I, my understanding is like your tendons or ligaments, whatever they are, they like don't actually stretch. You basically just rip them and then you grow scar tissue mm-hmm. and that like can make you feel like that might enable you to touch your toes, but you're not exactly helping your athletic performance. I mean, I did this too, but didn't you try to learn to do the splits for a summer's but i think <laughs> mine is genetic so it's like my theory is it's per person so some people do benefit from stretching just like some people get really fast at running by training but like yeah. some people don't get fast at running by training yeah that's fair too i do think one thing that i'm also interested i haven't really thought about it in the freestyle or sports context is how there is a lot of variance and like people in genetic populations that like account for lots of things so for instance i think it seems to me like there's emerging evidence that if you want to like understand ideal diets you'd have to do it basically on a genetic level like different groups of people would benefit from different types of diet and it has a lot to do with where they're from which makes sense like if you were from you know the arctic or something you would have had enough generations for your body to evolve to eat a different kind of diet then you would have evolved to eat if you live somewhere else. And so what might work for one group of people with a certain heritage might not work for another group of people. So it makes sense to me that there's lots of things like that, that we can't really account for. when we do these studies and we just like, mm-hmm. we got like 25 white college guys and here's what we learned. It's like, okay, that might be true for <laughs> those people, but it like might not be true for everybody else. Personalization but, is the answer. And again, I just, because I'm sure it's not going to be clear and people are going to come at me for it. I do not know the answer. My working hypothesis is just because I don't know the answer, I'm not going to take the option that requires a lot more work. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's sort of like if you tell me something might help me or it might not, and it's not very fun to do and it takes away from my jam time, I'm going to like, I'll be like, I'll skip that. If maybe I'm missing out on some huge benefits, but if they're so huge, I feel like you would have been able to, provide conclusive evidence of that by now yeah i think there's i'm trying to think of an example where like this thing would no there's like it's like the fad diets where they're like keto is everything and if you switch to keto your all your problems will be solved but i it's like that only works for some people and like yeah. only some people even need that so for you stretching is probably on the margins yeah, and I'm mostly talking about stretching right now. Honestly, I've been kind of like pretending I'm talking about all of it, but like stretching is, and I, in part of it is I did stretch for so many years and like nothing came of it. And so again, that might be just my personal experience. And I wish I got that time back and just said put it into freestyle. But other ask, stuff, I, oh. 
No, go ahead. You go should ahead. ask Matt Gothier his view on stretching because he had dramatic improvements after stretching. Really? Yeah. So the story he told me was he was only averagely have average flexibility. And then after he would work out in the gym, he would sit in the sauna for like 10 minutes and just like loosely stretch. And he got really flexible after doing that. Well, see, that's where I'm kind of interested in what loosely stretch means, because I do think free the act of freestyle has made me way more flexible. So there's a compounding variable, right? Which is that when I first started freestyle and I was also stretching a lot and I did get a lot more flexible from that. But then I stopped stretching and my flexibility just kept getting better. And and here's like my kind of better quasi scientific, still sample size one hypothesis, which is something like, you know, the last few years I've been working on everything on my opposite side and I've seen massive flexibility increases from doing that. And I don't know what's causing the flexibility increase. Like I, uh, my understanding is that nothing's actually getting stretched out, but it might be strength and positioning. And, you know, maybe I'm just ripping my tendons and getting scar tissue. <laughs> I have no idea, but I'm happy to say that those gains came from the natural course of freestyle as unnatural as that may be for the human body. But like that, that provided all the benefits that I needed that stretching didn't like, I definitely spent years trying to be able to do the splits and like never got a single millimeter of extra splittage. But again, that could be me personally, but I, I guess if like, I probably the best way to think about it is like, if Will came to me and was like, should I stretch? I'd maybe say like, well, you can try it, but (laughs) if you're, if you're doing it for a year and nothing happens, then why do you keep doing it? Like that would probably be like my position. <laughs> Will does stretch to warm up. He does. He does. He does it fair. to make him feel good, which I think is valuable. Just that. Well, it's funny you say that because that's another. <laughs> uh, this is where I'm probably like most in conspiracy mode because the, I don't really have a lot to go on here to say like this is right or this is wrong. If again, I'm just going to make that I'm going to make that point so many times, but I will like whenever we're at parties and stuff, I bring on my stretching views and people <laughs> yell at me. And then the next day they see me stretching on the sideline and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, okay, no, no, no. Like this is different. And here's why. <laughs> but I do have this, I do have this view because I do have back problems a lot. So many back problems. And I've had back problems since as long as I can remember, like when I was a child having back problems, but like certain stretches provide like immediate relief, immediate relief to it. But they're not stretches where I'm s- stretching. They're more like holding body positions that kind of like counteract the ill effects of my daily life. Oh, my dance teacher talks about this all the time. It's like when you watch a cat get up, it will like stretch out before it like stands up completely. And what it's doing is there's like the muscles are there's like it's like your muscles are a bunch of strings, right? All like next yeah. to each other and they're all separate normally. But when you just like are sedentary or when you're just like sitting down, they kind of like bond together. And so when you stretch it, it like breaks them all apart back into their individual strings. So like that is useful, but it's that people don't really consider that stretching, but that's what the cat's doing when it looks like yeah. it's stretching. I mean, maybe part of the problem is we use the term stretching to cover a variety of different things that serve different purposes. So like when I stretch my back, I'm not trying to elongate any of my tendons, ligaments, bones, whatever. I'm just saying instead of slumping over like I do all the time, 
I'm going to slump backwards. And like that <laughs> immediately feels good, first of all. So unlike stretching, I feel immediate positive sensations and they hold. So I will have back pain and will go away. So for instance, here's actually, like this is one of the craziest things that I ever experienced in my life. Shout out to Lisa Berman. I was, when I first moved to Durham, having the worst back pain of my life. And it had been going on for like five or six weeks. And normally when I have back pain, it's like pretty short. But like I basically pulled my back out and it just never got better. And I just thought like I cannot freestyle. And I tried, you know, when I was young, when I had back problems, I read this book that was literally just called like back problems or something. It was like <laughs> some really basic name. And all it was was a book of how to stretch your back. And that book changed my life, totally fixed most of my back problems. But nothing from that, none of those stretches were working for me. Couldn't get better. So Lisa Berman, who I guess does physical therapy, she was visiting when she was really into freestyle for a bit. I'm sure she still is. And, you know, she's like, try this stretch. Again, it's stretched in the way I like, not in the way most people talk about it. And it was the weirdest stretch. It's like three parts to it. You just look like a marsupial. You look like some weird creature when you do it. And it was just immediate relief, which is such a rare feeling in life where like you're <laughs> in pain and then just suddenly that pain just washes away. It was a miracle. It's like if you've ever seen the show, the leftovers is a character who can hug people's pain away. That's what it <laughs> felt like. I mean, that was so powerful. And I do that stretch all the time when my back hurts and it works better than anything else I know. So that I'm in favor of what a lot of people call dynamic stretching. Like if you want to, kind of like high knee run or like run and like throw your leg up or do what we do in like freestyle to me is dynamic stretching. Like the scarecrow is not a normal arm shoulder position, but like I do it all the time and it doesn't hurt me. It feels good. Flamingitis is not normal, but like it feels good. But if you ask me to do what I used to do for years and like, you know, just bend down and touch my toes for 20 seconds, that <laughs> doesn't feel good and doesn't seem to do anything for me whatsoever. Yeah. Don't I just want to know. Yeah. I just want to know. That's it. I just want to. <laughs> I I want to know if what I'm doing makes a difference. If it hurts, nice. There's probably a way to f figure out if it works for you, but there's no way to figure it out if it works for everyone. That's my yeah, yeah. But don't as don't assume it works if nothing ever happens. I don't know. Like that's what kills me. <laughs> I just like see people stretching. Like, is that working for you? And if so, like, how do you know it's working? Like, does it make you feel better? But maybe it does. And I'm just missing something. Um, but other aspects, by the way, I do think other aspects of warming up are extremely valuable if you want to perform better. So like I've said before, I think if you're like getting ready for a routine, hitting the moves that you plan to hit in the routine recall. ahead of time. Yeah. Recall. That's a, that's a great way to put it. And it kind of talks, fits into whatever we were talking about last time that I've already forgotten about. But yeah, recall, like stuff like that, I think is, is really nice. And I also do think there's like figuring out like what's working for you today. Um, so like overall, I think all that stuff is good, but it's, what are your goals? What do you want to do with your time? And what's your, what's the opportunity cost, which is, this may be valuable, but is it as valuable as 10 more minutes of freestyle? <laughs> um, I'm turning to other things from Edo's video. Uh, he said the thing that I care most about, which is he works on his weaknesses. So that was really good to see. 
it was also very validating to watch him practice because I was like, that is how I practice. And I feel like we're all guessing because there isn't the freestyle manual of how to learn freestyle. So it's nice to be like, Oh, like you say the same things to yourself that I say to myself, but <laughs> I'm trying to do stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Of course we might both be wrong in the, some <laughs> way better method of doing this. Um, but I like it because it kind of fits with something we've talked about. Maybe we mentioned on the podcast. I've always wanted to do a video that shows basically from day one to mastery. Here's me learning a move. <laughs> and part of it would be to take away the shroud of mystery and show that everything is hard <laughs> and takes me so long to learn. And I don't think people realize that. It's almost like the social media effect. You see players like Edo come out. And they're shredding and you're just like, oh my gosh, they're so good. They're so beyond anything I can do. But they, it's because they put the work in. It takes time to learn this stuff. I think about this sometimes with like when one of the Duke people will try some new move that I haven't, that like I know I learned, but I haven't done it in the entire time I've known them. And they'll throw it to me and I'll do it. Like, you could just do that. And I'm like, yeah, because I guarantee you I spent like three weeks on this 10 years ago. <laughs> and like that's just been sitting in my brain there. But it's not because I intuit it. It's because at some point I spent a lot of time trying to learn this. <laughs> and there's free moves along the way. That happens. And I do think you build a base where like if you have the foundation, it's easier to learn, learn things because you're not learning them from the ground up. But every move pretty much there's time behind it. If you're doing it at a high level, I see what was something in the video that you disagreed with. Well, I mean, the easiest answer is I had my thought about like, should Edo be stretching or should he be freestyling? (laughs) I mean, like that's my big thing. But again, I don't know that I'm right. So like, I don't want to act like I'm right. I'm like very curious how he's going to respond to this podcast, but otherwise pretty much nothing. Like, he was working on like one move he was working on, which is really cool. So I've often been fond of this move that Graf taught me, which is like a double leg over. It's a behind the back crank out into a double leg over, whatever. It's kind of hard to describe, but like Edo was working on it to a indigenous pole, which was super cool. And so I definitely want to work on that now. I was also, this also made me feel better. So Edo was working in the video a lot on his non-dominant spinning direction, which is certainly what I've been working on for the last few years. And in my head, like I've seen Edo spin that way a bunch of times. So I've always said like, oh, I'm behind because like I'm trying to learn that and Edo can already do it. But clearly in the video, Edo is still working a lot on it and has like a lot more to learn in it. And I thought that's how I feel. And that must be how people perceive me a lot of the time. Whereas like you'll see me do a move and I'll do it well. So you'll think I know how to do it. But it's more like, <laughs> well, I did it well there because I felt in that moment that like all the pieces were in place. But most of the time I really struggle with that. Or like you notice when I do it well, but you don't necessarily notice when, mm-hmm. you know, I tried it and bailed really early. So and I think we also experience this. It kind of goes back to my point about, you know, almost anyone can do the move in five minutes, but it still takes five more years to master. And so there's a lot of backwards progress. Like I see this with Will now too. Like there are times where he's just smashing the double barrel guide us. And I'm like, I can't believe he's already got that. And then he'll have several weeks where 
it seems like he's struggling with it and then it comes back and i think that's how that's how i've experienced learning in freestyle and it was very comforting to see edo in that light this is how <laughs> i perceived it like maybe i'm missing something but i mean to me like edo is like my current idol right now i mean there's like no one else i'm really looking to to like push me in freestyle which is not to say there aren't other incredible players at that level but like edo just his style and like the way he plays is like absolutely my ideal freestyle. So, you know, it was just comforting to see like, okay, like he, <laughs> he experiences You're this too. <laughs> I'm not alone. Um, and he's got such great form. It's also crazy though, because will looks so much like Edo when he plays. It's, it's uh, crazy. And <laughs> they must have like a similar body type or something. And then I do think Will must watch a lot and internalize a lot for Meadows game, but it's sort of like peering into the future. When I watch a video of Edo, like, oh, like Will will be like this one day. And there are moments <laughs> where we're jamming now where I'm like, oh, it's just like jamming with Edo. So that's pretty cool to see. Okay. I'm waiting for the day where like, where Will is surpassed anything. I it's think like it's Edo coming. is the stepping stool. <laughs> Well, you know, I've always said, like, we're all just stepping stools. And, like, Will is a stepping stool for somebody yep. later. Like, that's that's how it should be. Like, that's the goal of, like, how, I mean, this is, like, something I genuinely worry about because the sport is in decline. But, like, how sad would it be to be, like, the last great player? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, that would just be the most tragic <laughs> thing in the world. Uh, I don't know. Like, it would be, it's cool to say that you won a sport that still exists. It's a very different <laughs> story to say like, yeah, I won a bunch of world championships at something that was so small that it is now dead. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, then it's like not even worth mentioning. <laughs> like, I don't even, I don't think there's even an analogy because I wouldn't even know what's, what's died from the past. <laughs> you were the best printing presser. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, that guy could really print a press. Let me tell you. <laughs> No one, no one better than him. Um, yeah, you should, you should get that video from Meadow and see what you think. It'll be interesting to see how you can replicate it. Like, I don't think you'd want to see someone's warm up more than once, but you mm -hmm. would want to see them learning moves more than once. And maybe I just missed it because once it got to the jamming, which tells you that I'm getting closer to where you're at, I put it on like two times speed. So maybe I wasn't <laughs> hearing, uh, but I don't think he had mic'd up commentary during the jam but that i think would also be super interesting to just hear like mic'd up what they're thinking and how they're they're seeing the game like there are definitely times where i wish i could convey how i see freestyle when i'm playing and i'm sure a lot of people experience this but when like people talk about like great basketball players and just how they like see lanes and see opportunities i'm like i have moments where i'm like oh like this is what it must feel like because i will see it in freestyle there's no way to explain it very well. It's like time really does slow down because I know it's been, you know, a couple milliseconds, but I'll have thought through like so many sequences of things <laughs> that like, even after that, I'm like, that can't possibly be what happened, but maybe you could get a piece of that. If you were talking during the jam, which be like, you know, there'd be moments where it's like, Oh, like it's coming this way. Like I'm thinking, Oh, I got to go for this, but I don't know. Something like that would be, really fascinating but again like big theme is seeing 
someone else think, feel, and experience the same thing as you is very powerful. And you don't get that opportunity a lot in freestyle because the sport is so small and we don't have this record of it. So there's no other video ever, as far as I know, of a player mic'd up going through their practice, right? Nope. So like for me as a freestyler, (laughs) it's the first time I'm like, oh, like, yes, that's what it's like. I guess Mm -hmm. it's, I would assume that's what it's like because that's what it's like for me, but it's still powerful to see it. More talking content. Like a yeah. day in the life. We don't have a lot of, we don't have a day in the life of a freestyler video. Well, that's how I was going to, if Edo made the video like this every day, I would watch it every single day. It <laughs> was skip over the jamming part, but yeah, <laughs> making breakfast, you'd be like, all right, what is the Adidas pants of breakfasts that? <laughs> okay. Well, did you remind me? So I do have two other quick updates. So one is that, and I've said this before, but I found in my time as a freestyler, when I'm least motivated and most tired is when I tend to feel the most creative and experimental. And so we did come up with like five or six new moves the other day, many of which were kind of silly, but so, and some of them were previously hypothesized, but now truly discovered again, I shouldn't use the word invent. I like the word discovered. So double Koki in the books on video, mm-hmm. got that excited about that. I think that's a cool opportunity. <laughs> We figured out the cross Olivia. It's really ugly. We had to do it on the ground, but someone one day will have a beautiful cross-legged Olivia. That would be very cool. We've also, we had thought about this room a long time ago, but I started to get it, which is a turnover where you start with the disc right side up as 180 degrees as possible, basically as parallel to the ground as possible. And then you just swoop down on top really hard and do a full Mm -hmm. turnover so we were starting to get that and then all these just like little tiny details of like putting combos together differently but just the other day i was playing so badly because i was so tired but i feel like every time i got the desk i did something i'd never done before because i was basically too lazy to use any of my pre-existing neural (laughs) networks so that's mostly a pitch to play even when you're a little bit unmotivated but the other thing I wanted to say is Will came out to Spin Factor the other day. We played for about three hours. And I was excited about this because it was about one year since I made my other video of Will in the Spin Factory. So we have a year's time to kind of compare the two. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we played three hours tells you all you need to know. Like We went really hard <laughs> for a really long time. And there's some awesome stuff in it. Um, Will didn't feel like he played that well. And I actually understand why he felt that way because he is currently the opposite of most freestylers, which he's way more comfortable outside than he is indoors. I say like most freestylers, I mostly mean like newer freestylers. A lot of times it's harder to do things outside because of the wind and the conditions. Whereas like inside, especially if you practice a lot, like Will does, you'd usually be better at like executing your moves inside. But like Will looks like Edo when we play outside. When we go inside, he looks a little bit more like a newer player. But like with that said, he still is a hundred times better than he was last year. And even though he feels like he didn't play that well, I have the video and he's like, he hits like multiple perfect form, double spinning Fleming guidances and like his flow and decision-making is so good. 
Like, and if to me, the only thing lacking indoors for him is his form gets worse, but like a lot of his moves are still there. So I'm editing it now. I'm like very excited about it. And as I said before, I think more and more, you know, I'm making less and less videos, which is too bad. But when I do make them, they're very much kind of like memory captures. And I'm very excited to have this memory of our jam the other day. And I'm hoping to make it a yearly like Thanksgiving tradition to <laughs> bring Will out to like, I might have to be flying him out there if he's, you know, living somewhere else to come out to get the Thanksgiving spin factory jam. I'm trying to think of like what the highlight move of it was, but there's a lot of cool stuff. Was there so, spin practice at any there point? Was a, yeah, there was a little bit at the end. It was funny too. It's like three hours. We were both pretty winded at the end. But there was a second wind for sure where suddenly <laughs> a lot of... Well, it's kind of funny too because I think as I transition... What, what do I mean by that transition? I mean, as I get better at freestyle, I am thinking and caring less and less about the spinning part because that part is like locked in. Like I've got spinning good enough <laughs> for me. <laughs> so I'm trying to do all these other things. So like at the beginning of the jam all my difficulties kind of like mid combo difficulty, which is the thing that I'm really working on. And at the end of the jam, I'm too tired to do that because it's harder. But then I go into easy mode and easy mode is like, I'll do two things and hit some crazy double spinning hammer flaming guidance. And like, I know that I already ate my main and this is just like a quick dessert. It's <laughs> it's guilty pleasures it's not good for you, but just getting it in. So that was pretty fun. But I was telling Will, like for me, I was happy for myself that I think a lot of the moves that I was focused on that day were all moves I had learned in the last year, which is a good feeling because I feel like as this podcast indicates, I've been way less motivated to freestyle and I've certainly been practicing less, even if I'm still playing a lot because of Will. So I was glad to see, okay, well, like if I take a bigger picture look, I'm still learning lots of stuff even if it doesn't feel that way if that makes sense mm-hmm. and maybe learning just, sideways yeah <laughs> well and maybe just to give myself a taste of my own medicine because i was so hard on stretching how much evidence is there that practicing is good for you okay answer <laughs> answer a lot however and i like don't like to talk about this i don't like to think about it there are some people who research this topic and have i don't know how they like determine this or calculate this who say like the role of practicing while significant, it's not everything. And I wonder one day, and maybe we've talked about this before, like there is probably a much more complicated cost benefit analysis to practice than we currently realize, which is to say something like there might be a world where you practice two hours a week and you get 80% of the benefit or something mm-hmm. like who, 80, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Like who knows? I, I don't know. But there was a part of me that was like, you know, like, have I learned as much this year practicing 45 minutes a week as I did all the other years when I practiced 45 minutes a day? I don't know. It's hard to measure, but it was kind of like an interesting thought. Um, and to put like a positive spin and we can wrap up pretty soon because I'm losing steam. But I remember I was reading a long time ago about this marathon runner who used to run like a half marathon or full marathon, like basically every day. And she had a kid and like, then had a bunch of work and like was running less and less and then basically stopped and like had a real hard time getting back into running. 
And her solution was just like, I'm going to go run for five minutes every day and just trying to do something so tiny that she kind of get back on the horse. And like, she found that by doing that, like she got most of the benefits from what she did when she ran in more extreme manner and found herself running longer and longer, more and more just because getting started made such a big difference. So I try to take it as I try not to get discouraged when I feel like, you know, I'm not going to be practicing that much. There's going to be too many days where I'm too stressed out from work to do it, or I'm too busy or all the reasons you don't practice, but I'm not going to let that discourage me from practicing the one day where I can do it or like feel motivated to do it. If that makes sense. Yeah. You gotta be it's okay. almost like, <laughs> well, it's almost like saving money. Like a lot of people are like, well, like I'm not going to just put this $500 bonus in my bank account because like next week I'll be back to living paycheck. by check. It's like, no, like do it. Like even <laughs> that one time 45 minute practice pays dividends, even if you never follow up on it. Cause like, I think sometimes what I think is, well, like the move's going to take me five years to learn. So if I'm not willing to commit to working on it, what's the point? But it seems like even that little bit of practice makes a difference. So it kind of cuts both ways. Like in the end, <laughs> pro practice, but it's it's an interesting conundrum for me to think through. Non-linear scale. Can't understand it. Can't understand it. Maybe today's theme is we don't know anything about podcasting, about freestyle, about stretching. And we're just guessing about the right way to approach it and hoping for the best. Yep. What else can you do? What else can you do? I mean, yeah, my last point, I guess, is my research topic in college was epistemology, which is the study of how we know what we know. And so it is an obsession of mine that I feel like (laughs) I surprisingly talk a little about on this podcast, given that it's something I think about a lot. But I do think it's a unifying theme for today. How do we know what we know? And what do we do based on the fact that we know so little and the, what you do is the best you can. <laughs> okay. Anything else? I think that's it. All right. Well, thus ends journal entry, whatever for my public <laughs> diary. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. You know, we're going to try to get motivated again, do a better job. If you have ideas, send us feedback. Hearing from people definitely is motivating. So send us an email at clockercounter gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and uh, just keep freestyling. All right. With that, we'll talk to you next time.